We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. We are going live as we have every time this season right after a Giants football game. Only thing different this week is that no microphone for me. Sounds going to be a little off. I'll try my best to get close as I can to the computer and talk into the computer. Lighting isn't great either on my end. I'm in a hotel room uh, down in Fort Lauderdale for the week for work. So something is wrong with this lamp. It was working yesterday and I just spent two minutes trying to get it on now. It's not working. So I don't really know what the issue is there. Um, but Similar issues for the Giants in this game. Uh, some weird not working signals at the end of the first half, which we'll get into shortly, Nick. But as we wait for people to join this live stream, and I don't have the numbers just yet. I still haven't tweeted out the link, so I'm going to turn it over to you in a second and then find the link, and I won't talk for a little while. But I want to start with the final play of the game, Nick, the fourth and one call. So I a few things about that call. At first, I was disappointed because I actually kind of wanted the Giants to go full house backfield and just run it. I think they would have been able to block a yard up for Barkley. I know they didn't get it in the first half when time when they audibled into the play. And obviously, you know, it would have been a situation that's similar. If they didn't get it, they would have been killed for it. But I felt like a, a full house back because they didn't use full house backfield on that play. If they used the full house backfield, they might have had a shot maybe or some kind of weird motion. But the play call ended up being fine. Like, that play action got Darren Waller free release. He was held immediately, I thought, on the release. And after the game, Nick, I'll just tell you what Chris Collinsworth said because that's what I just recently tweeted out. He So after the game, and, and, and I hope people are here already so they can hear this because I thought this was really interesting from Chris Collinsworth, and it looks like only 55 people. Sometimes you got to let Chris in there. Um, so give me a second, actually, to tweet this out here. Let, let, let's let people trickle in uh, real quick, Nick. But, yeah, after the game, Chris Collinsworth, actually said and broke it down in a way so so well broken down nick that terry mccauley who is the rule specialist who started off by saying no this is not pass interference it shouldn't have been dpi uh the ball was in flight by the time he was interrupted chris collinsworth broke it down by saying actually if you look at the play he was held immediately upon his release after he was held immediately darren waller the guy held his arm and it disallowed him from getting his second hand up to make the catch. So it should be DPI. And then Terry McCauley, the rules guy was like, ah, you know what, actually, Chris, you're right. I actually think it should have been a foul now that you broke it down that way. Like I've never seen the, the rules specialist analyst, like go back on his decision there, but he did. And I get it. Look, a referee doesn't want to call DPI two plays in a row at the end of a game. I think that was a big factor. Honestly, I think that's the main reason he didn't throw the flag there, Nick. 
But what did you think of the play call there and the no call? The no call, I wasn't going to expect the refs to throw it again. No call was actually worse than the the first one that was called. Get a free play, man. There was so much to chew into there, Dan. There was so much going on. You get a free play at the end of the game. The Giants were, what, 14 and a half point underdogs going into this game. I thought they were going to get their asses kicked. The defense kept them in this football game, and they have one shot, and I didn't hate the play call as much. Look, they decided to run the football like dopes, and we'll talk about that check that Tyrod did that could say maybe lost a Giants game, even though there's a lot more football that was going to transpire after that. Darius Slayton motioning inward on that play. They were trying to get them to switch, and it almost happened, but Teron Johnson stayed on Darren Waller, and Darren yeah. Waller went up, could have caught the football. It was tough. He was being held. It should have been defensive holding, and it wasn't called I didn't expect it really to be called after the Giants earned the call on the previous play. But I'll say this, man, the officiating in this game was egregious Terrible. throughout it. The the roughing the passer on Bobby O'Karake, that's inexcusable. The man downfield on, on Evan Neal. It's like, what do you why are you calling that? It's almost as bad as the one against Dallas last year that removed the Isaiah Hodgins touchdown. Oh, yeah. And, and Brian Dayball blew a gasket. That's a gift going around Twitter right now, or Jeff, or whatever those kids call it these days, man. But like you don't call that. There's no reason to call that. I don't know if Hyatt got both his feet in bounds, but regardless of the fact, the officiating here inserted themselves into this game a little bit too much. And then when we really needed them to have, you know, insert themselves into the game, they, they swallowed the whistle. But again, I, I do think it's somewhat understandable. It is somewhat understandable. Look, nobody wants to make that call twice. I actually think it it could be called holding, but it could also be just called DPI. The hold was original, yeah. the initial, and then not letting the hand get up for the catch was the DPI part, which was crazy too because it stopped. I mean, it, we're not going to remember it, but that was a hell of a final drive for the Giants. Yes. They took over the ball, uh, you know, around the 40 with no timeouts left. They had to convert a fourth and eight. What was that? A fourth and six, fourth and eight, where Tyrod Taylor, that pocket collapsed on him. I have seen quarterbacks just escape immediately, roll to their right, the play's dead, or try to run up into a sack. He, like, manipulated that so well on that fourth down conversion. Threw a ball up to Hyatt that was high and hot, coming in hot, because that's all he could do. And Hyatt caught that ball and didn't have, like, you know what a lot of receivers, when they catch the football there in that spot, Nick, they're looking at and anticipating the hit they're about to take, and they drop it. They get alligator arms, they call it. Obviously, everyone's, most people are probably familiar with this term. Hyatt didn't get the alligator arms there. He caught that ball, secured it, took a massive hit to keep the game alive for the Giants, give them a chance. And they almost pulled this thing off at the end there, which would have been unbelievable. It's just the issue for me, Nick, is just like, and I'm hopefully more people are coming in. I just tweeted out the link. Uh, looks like we got 207 now. We are at 55 before. And I just want to shout out uh, HB Greg, who donated $5 to us and says, hi, guys. I just want to say I found the pod recently. I'm amazed oh, at the quality, informed and honest takes. Please keep making contents for us. Thank you so much, HB Greg. And just Thank for those you. of you who don't know, the way we do these live shows is, if you want to donate to us and help our cause, thank you so much. We appreciate that. If you want to get a question answered, uh, please donate to us and, and use the Super Chat function. And we will answer any questions from the Super Chat. But, Nick, um, it's it just it's so frustrating to me. And we're going to get into a lot here because I yeah. thought this was arguably one of Brian Dable's worst coach games, even though he had them ready to compete in this game, which is partially you know a credit to him. So I got to give him credit for that. But just in-game coaching was all over the place from him. The the thing he did before the two-minute warning at the end of the game was inexplicably bad, inexplicably bad coaching to try to rush that play in. Made zero sense whatsoever. They had plenty of time. They almost cost them the drive, but Tyrod did, did dug them out of a third and eight there. But, you know, the thing that sucks for me, Nick, is 
this was going to bring me back in. This was going to bring all of us back in, dude. This was a season-saving type of game. If they win this game to go to two and four, you can just forget about the last three weeks because we went into Seattle, Miami, and Buffalo saying if they win one of the three, the season's back on. We didn't think it was ever going to be Buffalo. We thought it would be Seattle, but they got blown up by Seattle. Miami was whatever. This was okay. They get to two and four here, and then they have a chance of a run of games where they could potentially win, especially defense is going to play like they did tonight. We have to talk about that as well, man. Uh, there's a lot to talk about there, but the one main guy to talk about obviously is Bible Karake. But look, Nick, it's just so frustrating to get so close and then to just come away from the one yard line, like a play away. It seems like the Giants are always this year, or not this year, really this year, and, and it, most times except for 2022 really coming like this close and having so many, like, you know, when we go back and watch the tape this week, Nick, we're going to be like, this drive ended like this, this drive ended, this could have done this. And, you know, and that's that type of game. Just so many close calls. And this would have been the drive of all drives to turn this season around. You have so many just important storylines going into this game. Joe Shane, Brian Dable returning. I mean, Eric Turner said on the preview podcast that, you know, Brian Dable knows the protection very well of the Buffalo Bills and this offense. And I'm sure Wink Martindale yeah. received a nice long talk from Brian Dable about how to pressure Josh Allen. And the defense was spot on. But even on that final drive, Dan, you had the fourth down conversion. What was it? Fourth and five. It was like 12 or 13 yards to Jalen Hyatt. So you're getting the rookies involved. And that would have been such a cool dude. Now we have two wins. We're two and four. We're turning this around. We have Washington on deck. We can beat Washington. We can beat the Jets. We can get out there, Zach Wilson. It's going to be. And then they just let it slip through their fingers. And it's just like we got teased into this. And I'm I'm proud of the New York Giants for competing. I'm really proud of the defense for forcing one of the best quarterbacks of this generation, of this era, just way off his game. They couldn't really contain Stephon Diggs all that well. Well But the defense. Defense played really well, and it's unfortunate that the Giants, I mean, coaching errors, which we'll definitely talk about, you already alluded to it, were were a big reason why you just left three points on the board at worst in that situation. Like, that's just absolutely egregious, not to mention all the time that he let just click off the clock for no damn reason before that, man. Like, that's inexcusable. That's a great point. No one's talked enough about the time he let click off the clock before that play. While you're driving, man. Every point is a touchdown there. It's not even like, oh, Tyrod screws up at the end. He did screw up. I get it. But all that time he let click away, like you just said, Brennan, that that was a touchdown drive in the making. The only reason they didn't score a touchdown there was basically they got clocked out. Yeah, Ty, the Tyrod made a huge mistake checking to a run. There's no excusing yes. that, but he was put into a position to where that mistake can be made by Brian Dable. And the Giants lost a game where they had the ball on the opponent's one-yard line twice and came away with zero points out of those situations. Think about that. And both were at the very end of the game, end of the half, the, the one before halftime and the one after. Um, oh, Chris Perry <laughs> says, thank you, first of all, for donating to us, Chris Perry. Have fun debating Jones versus Taylor all week. Tough loss. Uh, I don't think cute we'll be doing any of those debates. Yeah. Most cute, cute dog, though, Chris. Very cute dog. We also got Diego Ortiz. If we play like this against Washington, we'll win. I agree. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. If the defense comes out like this, and even if the offense just uh, avoids. Number real? Thank you, Diego. Oh, so wow. Much. Yes. Yeah, really Diego. appreciate that. Those Thank you so time. much. Thank you so much. Um, but then, yeah, you're right. Nick. Got Milan fan club, San Diego. Thank you so much as well. But that's but, a good point. Like, they can beat Washington at this. Like, I want to pivot right now. We'll get to everything. We'll get to the coaching that has to be discussed. We'll get to the offense, everything. I mean, look, Justin Pugh, <laughs> this has not been said a lot, Nick. But, like, I know he had the one snap where he didn't have the timing down, and, and the guy just beat him around the edge. That's, like, obvious. He, like, what do you expect? It's, like, his first snap at left tackle in years, probably. But this dude's practicing left guard all week, and then within the first drive is told, I got to play left tackle. And let's be honest, dude. Like, we'll see the tape. 
we don't know for sure, but like that wasn't that bad of a job at left no, tackle. Absolutely. Like, all, I mean, all things considered, that one play, like all things no. considered, that was a pretty insane job by Justin Dude, Pugh tonight. Also, let's just look at the fact this guy hasn't played left tackle in like five years. And when years. he did last time, it's been like five snaps or something. Like he hasn't played tackle. He's coming off of a torn ACL. He's 33 years old and he just arrived to the team. That in and of itself is amazing. And we should be applauding Justin Pugh for that. And I understand the Giants. Evan Neal on a bum ankle over there. I mean, we'll have to see the tape to know for yeah. sure. But Evan Neal on a bum ankle looked like he did pretty good out there as well. And had some really good plays in the run game for sure uh, toward the end of that game. Like this was a banner night. And look, the quarterback only had four. I think it was only four quarterback hits the entire night. Or it was going into the final drive. Four quarterback. I mean, we've the, the past three weeks has been 20 plus quarterback hits a week. I mean, that's a big difference, too. But I want to pivot real quick before we get to the offense, too. The story of the night for me moving forward as well, which is Bobby Okereke. I think Dan Duggan said it best, um, but we were all thinking it. I know you were thinking it, Nick, or I think you were thinking it. I was certainly thinking it. That was the best linebacker play I've seen, individual linebacker play I've seen from a Giants linebacker since God knows when. Like Dan said it was, Duggan said it was at least since he started on the beat, which was eight Antonio years ago. Antonio Pierce. Pierce was, but but I don't know if there was anyone after Pierce that had it. Like Pierce versus Green Bay so. in the playoff game in 2007, that was probably the best linebacker play I've ever seen. Um, obviously, the screen pass was the greatest play I've ever seen by a giant, in my opinion, individual play by a giant defender. That play should have been yeah. the game over. Screen works. Three blockers ahead of Pierce. He somehow finds a way. For those who don't know, that was the 2007 championship game against the, the Packers. But overall game, dude, Bobby Okereke, hand in the pass lane. I said I haven't seen a linebacker do that, Nick, in years. He did it twice in this game. One of those tips that he got was tipped up right to McFadden for an interception. The tackle for a loss where he shoots the gap. I mean, some of those plays from O'Karake tonight were unbelievable. He had four or five splash plays in a game where we don't usually get one splash. Last year, we were lucky to get one splash play a season, it felt like, from the entire linebacker. I don't know if we did get one. Did we get one? McFadden occasionally. Like, what did we get last year? A couple TFLs. We didn't get any pass lane tips. We didn't get any interceptions. Bobby Okereke in these last couple of weeks has started to really prove his worth to the Giants. I think he's a clear-cut building block moving forward based on how he's playing in the past game. Oh, he's playing like the $10 million linebacker that the Giants thought they were signing. And honestly, he, he's been playing better the last three weeks. Seattle game was a little bit better than Miami game. We're like, holy crap, man, that was huge. Great job by Bobby Okereke. This game was his breakout, his true breakout, primetime national television. Bobby Okereke was everywhere. He was fitting the run perfectly. He was beating guards up to the second level. Yeah. He was cutting off angles. He had, what, I think two PBUs. One resulted in an interception from Micah McFadden and a strip on Gabe Davis, which also led to Micah McFadden falling on top of it. He is also and maximizing. Uh, yes, and TFLs. But he's also maximizing Micah McFadden, not just because McFadden is yes. in the right place at the right times, but when you have a really good alpha linebacker who is always where he needs to be, it's going to alleviate the pressure and the burden on the other linebacker. Mike McFadden is still a young player. And look at the tune that Michael McFadden, like, look how it's changed. We were not that excited about Michael McFadden coming into the season. We were like, oh, geez, who's going to play next to Bobby? Okay. Michael McFadden right now is flying around he's and he's playing he's good football. This around fast, Michael McFadden. Like, I'm starting to get excited about what McFadden can be next to O'Karake type of thing, right? Like, yes. at least through, what, this is year two for McFadden. We have two more years after this cheap team control with him. Like, that's the type of play. Like, look, you wouldn't, you're not, I'm not looking at McFadden now like, oh, he's going to be a superstar, definite building block like O'Karake type. But the fact that I know that I have him, that we, the Giants, have him under team control for the next two years after this at under $1 million of a cap hit, 
that becomes exciting because he's looking capable, McFadden. I feel like he was doing, even on some of the run plays where I could tell the Giants defense was gas, I feel like he was that like last guy in to make the hit. Like sometimes you're just looking for the guy who's going to lower his body and make that hit and take that hit against James Cook when the defense was as gassed as it was at times. And I felt like he was there. Obviously, he was in the right spot for the interception, but he's definitely playing better football now. But back to Okereke for a second. What yeah. was one of the the uh, the crucial physical traits that he had that we were like, oh, I love that. Oh, I love the fact that he has that. For me, it was, it was sideline to sidelines, Pete. What was it for you? 34 and a half inch. Oh, oh trait. Yeah, yeah. 97th percentile. What has it done the last two weeks, man? It's been closing these throwing windows, man. You only got, you know, how many times you see something on Twitter where the ball's just going right over the top of that underneath defender and right before the seat. When you have that extra inch or two, you know, everyone can use an extra inch or two. You know what I'm saying? So he's knocking those, he's knocking those balls down, dude. I've been just ecstatic with what I've seen from Bobby O'Karrake as all Giants nation. Let's talk a little bit about the other side of the ball for now. We're just going to jump around here. There's so much to talk about in this game. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the offense tonight. I know they only scored a certain amount of points. Like they ended up this game with what, uh, nine points. Was that the final score? No, I don't even know what the Giants scored in this game. Was it nine to end the game? Yeah. Yeah. It was 14, nine. I'm blanking out for a second. For some reason, I thought they got to 12. I guess yeah. my mind, I had, I had like convinced myself that they had that field goal before the half that they didn't get. They scored nine points tonight, but I felt like the offense did a pretty good job moving the football. The second half, I, there was a stat. I think there was only six total possessions in the second half between both teams before that last final drive. So there weren't, and, and that includes like those quick turnarounds when Buffalo went three and out and decided to throw that. By the way, it wasn't just Brian Dable with the questionable coaching decisions. Oh, that yeah. end of the situation from, my, from McDermott was insane to me. Like insane to have Josh Allen roll out, try to make that throw downfield incomplete pass then to try the field goal there like i guess i get you want to try a field goal there from 50 something yards but in my mind i'm thinking like this kicker already missed a 50 something yard kick already in this game right secondly if he misses this next kick the ball goes to where the where it snaps so it's like yeah. seven yards back from the line of scrimmage giving a short field for the giants if they punted there and pin the giants to the 10 like God, like we're not the giants aren't going to probably move that ball like from all the way from the 10 it's harder to move the ball from back there like there's more so i just i thought that was weird too but anyway on the Wink martindale side, was the was the best coach in this game the best coach on either side of the ball Wink martindale yeah i think that's fair and yeah, maybe like you said coach. earlier that has to do with dable knowing the protection schemes for the bills because it did really feel like the giants defense had an edge on this bills offense all freaking game on what they wanted to do I've been out of sorts too it's something that the cover one guys were, were talking about all week it's like other i'm like, like oh, shut up i'm like shut shut up yeah, Stop complaining, okay? Yeah. yeah, but they were a little out of sorts, though. So they had they a point. Hey, we, we have some um, supers to get to. Tenacity47 says, people get mad at Danny Truthers because they give him excuses, but those same people are giving Dable excuses tonight. Can't pick and choose. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. What excuses are people giving Brian Dable? I feel like Brian Dable is probably going to yeah. get slammed for a lot of the decision-making and the clock mismanagement at the end of the first half. So I don't really know what excuses you're talking about, but thank you so much for the donation. Yeah, Tenacity47, thank you for donating. Um, I don't know. You can follow up with us in the chat. We'll yeah, we'll put it up. Yeah. Dave, I, maybe you're seeing these on Twitter or something like that. And we just haven't seen it. I think it's the opposite for Nick and I. We think this was a bad game from Brian Dable. We have no excuses to give him. Um, I know you know you can excuse him for the end of the half stuff if you want to just blame it on Tyrod for not understanding the situation. I think Tyrod honestly probably thought he had a timeout that he didn't have. Like That's the only thing that comes to mind that why he would ever think to do that. Also, by the way, the Bills defenders held down Barkley after that. And I watched course, rewatch well, you, you gave him the opportunity. You to gave him the that. opportunity. Yeah. So that's fine. And they're probably not going to make that call. It's a weird flag you don't see a lot 
but I watched him try to spike that ball, and it literally happened a tick after zero. So if they hadn't held yeah. him down, he would have been able to get that off the field goal, whatever. Well, like me personally, though, like watching it, I was like, oh, they're not going to hand it to Barkley. That doesn't make I any never damn sense. They're going to be throwing it to the back to Waller, or they're going to do something like all the play action. They were under center. Yeah, I, even I was under center. There. When I saw Barkley at the ball, I was like, oh, shit, they might get it. I was like, that was dumb. They're not going to get this snap off, and we all know what happened. Yeah, and then he just ran into the line, and then obviously the clock ran out. Uh, Dave Equipment, thank you. Thank you so much for the donation. Tough loss, but I feel nothing, he says. I love you, boys. I understand that feeling. Look, I, I spoke to my good friend, Dan Egero, who does listen to the reaction shows, and he wanted a rant out of me tonight for that end-of-half situation and for what I was – Can't force asking. rants. Can't force rants. But, can't, can't force, force rants. Rant. But no. he's like, this is well-deserving of a rant, but I agreed with you, Nick. You can't force rants. Rants just have to come out of just like a natural – uh, you know, reaction for the body. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you just spaz out and ramp, but you um, don't even know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, uh, it's just like a blackout. Whenever I go on these rants, I just blackout for a second. But look, I was actually even more mad about the, the rushing the play before the two-minute warning thing and losing three yards. That pissed me off even more. That was just inexplicable. But yeah, I don't think anyone's giving Dable excuses tonight. I think it's the opposite. Nick and I think this wasn't a good game for Dable. I think it was good in the sense that he got them prepared for the yes. Bills. And had and like you said, had probably had an edge on over there knowing the protection schemes, but just in-game stuff has been odd from Dable. Any Giants fan would have signed up for the scenario at in the fourth quarter, or really any scenario throughout the game. Like the game was really close. The Giants were running the football, the Bills were being conservative uh <laughs> once they realized they weren't hitting on a lot of those deep passes and they were running the football. The Giants weren't striking distance. Like anybody would look at that game plan and, and how and that scenario of the game and what's going on and say Brian Dable must be coaching just an elite game. But that's not what we're saying, despite the fact that the Giants were in this against a much superior opponent. Not what we're saying at all, Nick. And by the way, end of game situation. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about, not very end of game, the third to last possession for the Giants offense, where they did a great job moving the ball downfield. And I felt like they got bogged down by a combination of themselves and weird, bad spots. The first Saquon Barkley run, this is before the final field goal that they kicked on fourth and inches from like the 10 yard from the uh, Bills nine or 10 yard line. The first down run to Barkley, they spotted that I thought at least one and a half yards back to where it should have been. They didn't watch where the ball was when his knee went down. This is a big issue for me. I've asked my brother, Matt, shout out Matt Schneier. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. I hate, I feel like every time I watch an NFL game, there's like 10 to 11 missed spots a game. And they may only be a yard. They may only be a half yard. They may be one and a half yards. But it's a game in a game of inches where literally a game was decided by one yard tonight. Those yards matter. So I just, I'll wait for the day when they figure out technology and they get rid of refs spying the ball. Like, just think about this logically. A ref is supposed to look, one guy is supposed to look at where the knee goes down and where the ball is at the exact same time. How is that even physically possible to have your eyes on the knee or whatever, the arm or the knee and the ball? It's just guesswork at that point. And then I thought Breida rolled up over the tackle and had the ball over the first down line, but that was also spotted short. But besides all that, Nick, what did you think of the decision to, to kick the field goal on fourth and inches there? I think if you had a healthy Saquon Barkley, they would have had a little bit more reason to run the football. I think that's another reason why they were probably stopped up. Another reason why they didn't want to run at the end of the game. They didn't have a healthy Saquon Barkley in your offensive line. You don't even know who's starting where because they're all just rotating everywhere. So you want to keep it within striking distance. Your defense is playing well. I guess I don't hate it, but I haven't put in too much uh, thought into it. What was that uh, at the, uh, oh, I was at the Buffalo 11. That is with uh 10 10 35 left in the game yeah uh see i wish i could be more confident in us to go because like 
I think inside of me, I would say, yes, let's go for it in that scenario, in that situation. But with the hobbled Saquon Barkley against one of the better defensive lines in the league and your offensive line, as we all know, sucks. I don't hate it. So I think part I, I'm with you on this, Nick, even though, you know, me, I'm usually go for it, go for it, go for it. More than you. But part of why. So first of all, part of why I think they didn't go for it is because of how poorly they and they botched the end of the half sequence, Nick, that I think they were just like, we cannot come away from two of these situations with zero points. I think you're right. But as far as if they should have done it or not, I would have felt more comfortable kicking the field goal. And now I still I don't hate the decision, but I still think I would have leaned toward going for it. And I would have felt more comfortable kicking the field goal if it was fourth and two, fourth and three, fourth and one and a half. Or if they were at the 20, 25, 30, 35, where even if they get the first down, they might not score. And they still might have not scored if they got that first down. They would have had three downs to get into the end zone from 10 yards. But I think in fourth and inches, it's probably a situation where you just go for it on fourth and inches. Because like I said, like I get it. They didn't come away with points. Some people just immediately replied to me on my tweet, Nick, like, no, no, no. Fourth quarter, you just always take the points. But it's like... I don't know. You watch these situations play out. And it seems like more times than not, when you coach not to lose by kicking the field goal, you end up losing. Like, are there examples of it working out? Sure. There are always going to be examples, but it just feels like more times than not, the coach to not lose strategy, kicking a field goal on fourth and inches from inside the 11, isn't going to typically win you the game. You're, you're sacrificing four points right there, potentially um, going from the field goal to the, t- uh, the touchdowns, to the field goal. But I don't kill him for that because even the moment I didn't feel like it was as egregious as some of the other ones in the past during even his coaching days last year, this year, and, and obviously the Joe judge days, you just wanted to take the lead, you know, in that situation, the way this game was, this is a weird game. No one predicted the game script to be all defense the entire time, essentially. So that I don't hate it as much as I typically would in a situation like that, specifically because of all the variables that surround the New York giants with the injuries and, and whatnot. Mike G we score an offensive touchdown. I'm celebrating like we won the Super Bowl. Keep up the good. <laughs> yeah, Mike G, I'm there with you. We haven't scored an offensive touchdown since the Matt Burrito one against San Francisco. That's correct. And right? that was on a short field. Yeah, that was when they took the ball over from like the 50. Oh. Um, they went three games without scoring an offensive touchdown. Uh, so, yes, uh, it was another game of that. <laughs> I mean, look. The Giants right now are not obviously in in a position to score a lot of points. And by the way, thank you, Mike G, for the donation. Thank for those you, of you who don't know, it looks like we have a bunch of to get to, so we're yeah. going to get these fast. There, but for those who don't know and are new to the new to the stream, um, we're doing these live shows after every game. We're going to start to do some more live mailbags. If you want to get your questions answered, just use the super chat function. Please donate to the show; that helps us grow. And if you want to just donate to us to help us grow, and you appreciate our content, that's also awesome. We really appreciate it. We've been blown away by the donations on both Thank the mailbag shows and these shows. And they help us keep the lights on and they help us do more of this. So let's get more of those, Nick. Andrew Milowski. I might be messing that up. I apologize. I think it's Milowski, but every Milowski. time I see the way you pronounce it made me think. Do you remember Andy Milanakis, Nick? Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah. He had like he had yeah. some like like show or something. Andy Milanakis show. Yeah. There's there was lemons or, or something mentioned. Yeah, in it's the, just like a weird it was like the first like alt comedy type of show like you know what who's that guy in comedy you would know these comedians the guy who like does a lot of drawings and like that type of stuff um i didn't give you much to work with there his name's like he's like dry humor like he's like a he's like a nerdy type of guy whatever he reminded me of him but anyway like dimitri martin I think it was. I think it is Dimitri Martin. Yes. No, but anyways, thank you so much, Andrew. He says it feels like Dable Joe judged that game. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I can understand why. Uh, you know how pissed Dable must be though, because you 
no, um, in that situation, he expects his quarterback to to understand that there are no checks. It's throw no matter what. Yeah. I don't care what the yeah. front looks no like. You're, you're right. throwing you're throwing the football because that's how every play you could check out of it. Like it's something that every you just got to understand the situation, understand the context. And obviously, Tyrod isn't a dumb dumb. He knows that yeah. he just made a good egregious mistake. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit matchup to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious little Caesar. It's happening daily. 
We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that put it on half the pie the entire pie there are so many other options that i don't have time to name slap that on a round crust a thin crust a stuffed crust a detroit style deep dish either way you win and speaking of winning everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup so grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game to exercise and recover at your best You need quality sleep, and to achieve quality sleep, the right mattress matters. Mattress Firm will help you find the right mattress for restful and restorative sleep with their wide selection of high-quality mattresses from top brands at every price point. Quality sleep on the right mattress means improving your overall performance both in and out of gameplay, and with Mattress Firm's low price guarantee, you can rest easy. See a lower price? Mattress Firm will match it. Plus, try it for 120 nights to make sure it's right for you or your money back. To start feeling and performing at your best, find your mattress at the early holiday savings event at your local Mattress Firm store or online. We are brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code BIGBLUE for 20% off plus free shipping. And for all my wolf men out there, yo, shout out. If you got a little bit more scruff on your face, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. This cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. So no more drawers full of extra add-ons collecting cobwebs and is very annoying to organize. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGBLUE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BIGBLUE. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. 
it goes both ways. <laughs> like, cause when Eli checked out of that play in 2004 against the Cowboys to win that game and checked it to run to Tiki Barber, everyone celebrated as a hero. What a great check. You saw the, you saw the, how the defense looked. You knew you could check into a run and it was going to give you the best chance to win. When Tyra doesn't and it misses, it's terrible, but it is worse in this situation, obviously with the time, with the timeouts, with the fact that what you mentioned, which is most important to me, it felt like all night, the short yardage run game just wasn't there given the state of the O-line. They had some good runs out of first and 10 second, but like not really short yardage. So I think that was the main factor there. One bright spot. And I felt like Chris Collinsworth went out of his way to yeah. praise this player, but he did look good from the broadcast tape. And that's Mark Lewinsky. Some of the pulls no. and some of the blocks. Mark Lewinsky was no. scooting. And we know Mark Lewinsky can scoot. He's light on his feet and he can pull and he can get up to the second level. Just can't really pass protect all that well when you ask him to drop back on like a five to seven step drop. But yeah, maybe we'll have to get to the tape, see if he's going to be a, the long-term guard next to Justin Pugh if the Giants can figure out what the hell's going on at left tackle. It's just crazy Bro, situation. Justin Pugh tonight at left tackle. What a, I, We mentioned it earlier. I got to mention it again. I mean, this dude is coming off the streets, hasn't yeah. played well a tackle in five years was trained all week to play guard. And they tell him on the first series, you got to play left tackle first. And thank God they did, because it was much better to see him over there than Jalen Mayfield or whatever the hell else they were going to put over there. And Marcus McKethan, I had no op- Like, Justin Pugh held his damn own. Straight like, off the couch. Crazy stuff right there. The Giants O-line tonight, like, all things considered, and we'll get to the tape and figure this thing out, but, like, wildly good game from the O-line, all things considered. There was a lot of quick passes, a lot of move yes. the pocket. We had, wasn't a lot of drop we had the last three weeks too. That was the same yeah. excuse all the last three weeks too. And the only I, didn't I, I know like this is people will argue about this time and time again. I think different teams yeah. are going to play the Giants differently when Saquon Barkley is out there though too. Okay. Saquon had no rushing, but yes. I think it might have opened up some with the passing attack. Shane Shane, thank you so much. Thanks for the content, he says. I'm optimistic about the team after a competitive game. The only game where we were in it for really? all four quarters. That's a great point, Shane. Shane. Excellent. This is Excellent the only point. game the Giants have been in for all four quarters. This is also the only game the Giants have led in the first half ever. <laughs> they had a lead in the first half for the first time all season long. They actually held the lead all the way into the fourth quarter of this game. It's also, I think, the only game that the Giants scored and then maintained a lead after the next possession from the, uh, <laughs> from so the offense. I know, it is. But when you think about it, they never did at all. Because the only other game they won, or it was even watchable, was against the Arizona Cardinals, where you had to scramble and come back from like 21 nothing or whatever the hell it was. But thank you, and Shane, one, Shane. And once again, as we're going to get to more questions, apologize for the lighting tonight. Lamp's not working. Don't know the issue. Tried my hardest to get it going. Hotel room, not working my, my regular mic. So just a, a couple excuses for me, like Brian Dable, I'm sure, is giving in the uh, post-game press oh, right man, I can't <laughs> wait to I can't wait to hear the post-game. I wonder what his, um, his demeanor is going to be like. Because... Brian Dable comes out. Sometimes he's more serene, but then other times he's like the most terse individual like ever. He's just oh, very terse. He won't, he won't give you anything. It's, I, it's like it's to the point where I used to listen to every single one of his press conferences. I would break it down and put him up on Twitter. There's just like no content to put up on Twitter. No content. He doesn't say it. He doesn't say no anything. one gets content anymore. Daniel Jones gives you nothing. Dable gives you nothing. Sometimes Slayton. Darius, Darius Slayton is a low-key great um, Slayton, but he doesn't get it that stuff, often. But he doesn't get it often. Wink will give you a little bit. And he's Kafka, funny. Kafka gives nothing. The Kafka yeah. ones are as bad as it gets, in my opinion. I know. And I think that's partially by design, like Dable telling him, like, just don't give these guys anything. Like, look at the one time one of us gave them something, Evan Neal. Look at what happened. The one time we talked to these people, look at what happened. And so I thank God every day, Nick, that we do what we do and we just get to analyze the game. I, I used to be like, want to be a beat writer, reporter. 
looks pretty terrible to me from the outside. Like you can't ask them any football questions. They don't answer those and no one asks them. So what am I here to get a bad quote from Evan Neal and be the guy who writes the story about how Evan Neal said the fans should flip hot dogs. Like who wants that shit? <laughs> like, that's Dude, this giant season has been just wild, man. Like that <laughs> happened. It wasn't that long ago. And we're just no, like, Oh no. crap. Well, I hope he's good. All right. Jay Paul. Thank you so much. Great content per usual guys. Tough loss, but still optimistic. We could turn it around if JMS AT and DJ are back next week. Possibly Washington's yeah. a beatable team, man. Like that defense, yeah. we, uh, we showed them a little bit of respect preseason for the game plans that they devised against the New York giants, but man, they look like, crap out there and i think the giants and whoever the quarterback is whether it be tyrod or daniel jones or tommy d i think you can sling it against washington it's just running up front against deron Payne and jonathan allen that's always it's always tough sledding against that team thank you so so much for the nation was that jay paul that was Nick? jay paul i'll get the right name right thank you so much for the nation remember if you want to get your questions answered just use the super chat function but i will say this about that i also have some optimism now that they could beat washington i watched that a lot of that washington game today i had a nice experience working in the office down here nick we had we have a setup down here where we have every game on on a wall of tv so you really can get to see a lot of it's hard to hype focus on everything but you can get to, if you want to focus on one game for a it's little a while a lot of stimulation it's a lot it was nuts but i'll say my point being i watched some of this falcons washington game one thing, though, is they're playing insanely aggressive, Washington. They're DBs. Like, they jumped a couple passes from Desmond Ritter for interceptions, and That's they could have had a couple more. Like, they are not – so, like, if all those guys are back, we're going to need Daniel Jones to to not fall for traps and not throw – you know, and try to, try to move faster through his progressions a little bit. Absolutely. And I felt like against this team, the Buffalo Bills, maybe it was just how they were playing them, the Giants had a lot of slot fades. That worked out. They had the two thirty yard. Yeah. I think Darius Slayton went for 30 twice 30. on those slot fades. And those are great throws by Tyron. And I know Daniel Jones, he can make those throws. We've seen that. I haven't seen the Giants devise, or at least we haven't seen it this season. The Giants devise a lot of those one-on-one -on -one shots out of the slot. And it's really, it's not like they're doing anything too crazy. They're just running wow. hitches. It's like hitch seam. You know, right. that's, that's all they're doing. Hitch seam. And you have the one-on-one -on -one and Darius Slayton, kudos to him. Whenever he was up against Kyrie Elam, who I didn't know much about, we didn't ask Cover One, we didn't ask Eric too much about yeah. Kyrie Elam. He looked rough. Maybe he did look rough. I the think I heard on him having a bad season. I think I heard he was in and out of the lineup. Um, and yeah, those were great plays. Those those slot fades. I mean, the first one was a perfectly thrown ball. It was a great, perfect release by Tyrod. I mean, yeah. by uh, Darius, and then a perfectly thrown bomb by Tyrod. He got it out quick. He didn't let the pass rush collapse the pocket, and he threw it outside shoulder, leading the receiver in stride. That was perfect. Even the last throw before their final possession, Nick, that was a pretty good ball by Tyrod to step up into that pocket on that fourth and eight and put the ball to where it was for Slayton. That's the type of play, like where if you throw that up to a Brian, Brandon Ayuk or a T Higgins or whatever, all these guys, that's when those are the time. We know when fans always say, "If we're in a wide receiver one." Those are the times where I think exactly. it actually matters. That what those are the plays you want to pinpoint those ones. And I'm like, yes, you're right. It, it, he will come down with that catch. And and Darren Waller is supposed to be that guy. And I don't want to make it like I'm coming at Darren Waller right now because I'm not. I like Darren Waller. I think he is a plus to this offense. But every situation Darren Waller has had that's like that, he hasn't come down with it. So you would hope that it's going to regress back to the mean, right? And that he's going to start coming down with those 50-50 balls because it's something he's done throughout his entire mm -hmm. career. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a fair point for sure. I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. Let's get to some more of these chats, then we'll get into some other stuff. Yeah, Victor Perez, thank you so much. It's insane, he says, that we were that competitive with four guards playing 
or five, <laughs> depending on how you feel about Neil. Oh, I love it. <laughs> nice. Love it, Victor Perez. Victor, great comment. Thank you for the donation. You're right. I mean, look, we have freaking Ben Reddit in the center. It, it, you guys know know by this point, but it is incredible to be that competitive with the situation on the offensive line. When McKethan went, uh, not McKethan, when the Zudu went down early, Nick, I was like, because I didn't really think in my head initially, I wasn't thinking, oh, wait, we could move Justin Pugh there. Initially, I was thinking like, oh, good God, are they going to bring, uh, I, I can't even believe they're going to, like, what are they going to do? This is somehow getting worse. And yet they were competitive. Like he said, with this offensive line, I thought there were some good things on offense. We can talk against the bit. team too, man, against the team that leads the league in sacks before this week. Yeah. The Bills led the league in sacks. I know they had some injuries going into this week, but none of those were on the defensive line. Those were all injuries in the second. Except for Jones. Jones. Oh, except for Jones. Jones was a big yeah. injury. Jones was a big injury. They had one big D-line injury, and then a lot of secondary stuff, and obviously Matt Milano was a big one there too. But, you know, we can get into the next question, or we can talk a little bit about other parts of the offense, because other parts of this offense look good tonight. There were two massive big holes open up for Saquon Barkley in this game on back-to-back plays with the same play, at least according to Chris Wallensworth, off to see the film. Well, we're going to find out what happened there, dude. But those, like, yeah, good runs by Saquon Barkley too, but those are holes. Like, those were massive holes created by the blocking and by the scheming. Something's better than two massive holes, right? I absolutely love the fact that they were able to hit those holes. Though. No, but I think it was off Evan Neal's ass, too. Yeah, <laughs> it was off after Neal's making ass. that yeah. comment, and that's just yeah, weird. But... Yeah, but I, no, but I, I, I can't wait to see how those materialize, though, and what exactly happened. Because Evan Neal, look, he sucks in pass protection so far. He hasn't taken the development. But when the Giants can't establish it, and they can't establish it. well them, behind them, yes. Bro, the combo blocks with every guard that he's worked yes. with. Any guard. guard. Any, any guard, guard, like you just said. Good point. Yes, and he gets up to the second level, man, and, and he has a like that gravitational pull, right? Because he's so long and he's so wide and he's so big that linebackers, man, I mean, they can dip around him because he's a little bit off balance, and that's something I don't absolutely love about him. But yeah. if he just gets better with his balance and framing his blocks, he can cut those angles off, and now you just have one less defender to worry about if you're the running back. So I'm interested to see if those were like just the product of Evan Neal. Also, just Saquon Barkley's vision, I think, finding – exactly where to go based off of what the defense was doing. So I'm pretty sure they slanted on one of those plays and uh, just kind of left themselves a little bit vulnerable and the Giants took advantage. I mean, thinking about the offense again for a little, we'll get back into questions. I thought there were some really good bright spots from two players. Let's start with Jalen Hyatt, who made that mm. big fourth down catch we talked about. Also made a really good play on that downfield route. Again, the, the Tyrod Taylor like escaped the pocket, kept his eyes downfield and threw that ball leading him to the sideline. I don't know if he caught that. I was obviously called back by a call that, a flag that after the rule specialist, Terry McCauley was like, nope, that's a horrible call. I don't even know why they flagged him for that. Oh, great. Thanks, Terry. Good job by the refs. But I think he might've dragged those toes and he slid those, he slid that left foot in. It felt like, and it was still a good catch by him. And then Wandell Robinson, who man just seems to get open. Now I'll be honest, Nick. I think some of those plays that he made were a result of incredible timing and ball placement from Tyrod Taylor to lead him into spots that could create first downs. But yeah. he's also doing a good job of getting open and then getting vertical, like not wasting time. You see so many players over the years, not even just name like random guys like Darius Tony, but it's everyone it feels like. It's like 60% of receivers I've seen make those catches, try to juke someone, go left, go right, make a spin move. He just got vertical and got the freaking first. Oh, yeah, now t- – Wando Robinson, to no one's surprise, is a big part of this offense. And we're starting to see the uh, offensive wide receiver room shake out. Because that was a question mark. And over the last like two weeks, you started seeing glimmers of what to expect 
Paris Campbell, I think, played like 18 snaps last week. Isaiah Hodgins snaps were dialed back. And now in this game, you didn't see much of Isaiah Hodgins. I think I saw him in one red zone package. He was out there, but you see a lot more Darius Slayton. You see a lot more Jalen Hyatt. see a lot more Wandale Robinson. And that's kind of slowly becoming the 11 personnel package. I don't know if we saw Paris Campbell out there at all on, on the offensive side. Now he's returning yeah, the kicks. The special teams. And that's another thing I have an issue with, Nick. I mean, I'm done with it. I'm just done with these kick returns. Here's what happens when you return a kick in the NFL these days. The kickoff starts, first of all, from further up. So the kickoff team gets down there faster. You can either fumble the football and lose the ball, turnover that could ruin a game. You could have a penalty, which seems to happen on half of these, an yeah. offensive holding, an offensive block in the back. The Giants tried to return kicks twice and ended up back on their own 10 and on their own 16. Just idiotic yeah. shit. Stop returning kicks. I'm enough. I'm done with these. Only well, they got back to the 25 one time, didn't they? Sure. One time they got, if even if you look at all, right. But if you look at all that, the average of that is worse than if they just fair caught all of them. And that doesn't even factor in they could have fumbled and they didn't. So just stupid shit. I get it. Look, you're special teams coach. You want to get your big play in. You want to be the guy that says, yeah, my team did it. We had a big kick return in that game. Paris Campbell comes to you during the week. He says, look, I know you're phasing me out of the offense. Put me on kick returns. I can make an impact there. All right, let's give him a chance. Let him return it. But guess what? I don't care about any of that rah-rah shit. Let's do what's best for the team. What's best for the team is fair catching the football so you don't get the penalty that brings you back to the 10, so you don't fumble the fucking football. Because guess what? There have been no return touchdowns from the Giants in what feels like a decade since David Wilson. So, I uh, Okay, we got a mini rant on something that I didn't expect. Oh, I didn't like yeah, that it. Didn't, was a mini rant, but I didn't like when we did that. The second time when we got back up to that 11, that fucking pissed me off, Nick. Dude, I'll, t- I'll, say, I'll say something, man. I just... I don't feel like the Giants have had an explosive like, wow, this is a kick returner who could just change the script of a game. Yes. We haven't had that in so long. Dominic Hickson was that back in yeah. the day. Dominic Wilson Hickson was before the injury. Yeah, yeah, David Wilson, obviously. Yeah, he uh, he was he was awesome, man. He was fun he to was watch. Be so good, and he's the guy. But now when I see like Tyreek Hill in the end zone after today celebrating a touchdown with backflips, I'm like, because I've already seen a player like basically ruin his career by doing backflips. Like, I mean, back, it wasn't. It wasn't because of backflips, though. I mean, he had spinal stenosis. I, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea, but I can't imagine it was because he was imagine doing backflips. Back is good for your spine. Probably not, but it's can't probably imagine. an underlying, underlying issue. No, there's imagine. obviously other issues, but can't imagine doing backflips is good for your spine. Let's get some more. Super uh, okay. JCNYC asks the question, the elephant in the room, do we move <laughs> the football tonight with Daniel Jones? And then he puts a question mark and goes, hmm. The only thing he's missing is the emoji of the the face with the, the I'm hand make on, the, on the chin first Nick yeah yeah I think I think the Giants moved the football tonight with Daniel Jones I don't know if it's up to the same exact what exactly Tyrod did it depends man because I think Daniel Jones was, has been rattled man I think his internal clock has yeah. been off I think he's been hit so many times that that neck injury it probably wasn't just sustained on that Andrew Van Ginkle Agreed. he's probably been dealing with that for a little while and he's been getting a little bit happy feet because the pressure has been getting home towards him so when you insert Tyrod it's not just oh Tyrod is definitely better than Daniel Jones but it's just a new fresh perspective coming into a game and I think he was able maybe to execute the offense at a higher level than what we've seen Daniel Jones executed over the last two games because Jones is you know a little bit uh, shell-shocked at the moment yeah, I think that you answered the question perfectly, Nick. If you're asking me if Jones, fresh after the Vikings game last year in the playoffs, could have moved the ball the same way Tyrod did or better, I would say yes. The answer is yes. If you're asking me the version of what we saw last week, 
I'd probably say no based on what Nick said. I think he's been rattled. I think his internal clock is wildly sped up. I think in, it's sometimes in two-minute drill situations, like I don't know if he would have operated that last drive the same way from a time standpoint. I think it would have looked a little different. I think that Tyrod, to be quite honest, this is just something I think even when Jones is not rattled, Tyrod moves through his progressions faster. He's a more veteran quarterback, and he Jones has a lot of good traits about him. Mental processing never really has been a good trait for him, dating back to Duke when he played in a one-read offense there and everything was just throw the ball after you snap it. And so that's the one thing that Tyrod did it did feel like he added, and the ball placement was better. Now, Jones's ball placement has been worse this year than in the past. Me and Nick talked about this last week on the All-22. So this goes back to saying, is Jones' ball placement down this year because he's been rattled, because his internal clock is sped up? Because he might be playing through an injury, too. Because he's playing through an injury. And all those factors are probably yes. So if you're asking me if this version of Jones, what we saw last week, probably not. Because he's been taking – it's not just the neck injury, Nick. Dude's taking 28 sacks and, like, countless hits. Like, he's probably injured all over. You know what's so funny, Nick? I wanted to bring this up to you today. Last night I couldn't sleep, and – uh, and I couldn't sleep only because, like, I was watching NFL Network late night, and it was Giants Bills 1991. Late night in a hotel room watching yeah, NFL Network. Instead <laughs> of doing, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in a room, Saturday night, <laughs> getting a hotel over there. No, it's Saturday night. I work on Sundays, so that's an excuse. I work on Sunday mornings because of my job at CBS Sports, so it's an excuse. But it is very nerdy and it is very loser. But it, anyway, man. I'm watching the 1991 Giants Super Bowl win over the Bills, and. I haven't seen that game in probably like a decade. Maybe no, it's probably less. I pro- probably the last time I watched that game was after. No, it has been probably a decade. I watched that game like around the time of 2011 when the Giants won their second Super Bowl, and I'm just like going back through all the fun of watching all their runs. I don't know if I've seen it since. So it's been like 15 years. And dude, the game has changed so much oh, since 1991 in in a lot of ways, but in this main way, they used to let these defenders the fuck off against these quarterbacks, dude. Jeff Hostetler got destroyed in that game. Jeff Hostetler is just on the ground. 10 to 15 plays of the game, it looked like he was just done. It was like Hostetler just on the ground taking these crunching hits, and he's just like, he's just limping up to the huddle. Like, I couldn't even believe Hostetler made it through that game. That's how bad he got hit. And it just oh, makes yeah. me think about what Jones has gone through this year. All these hits Jones have taken, go back to your question. Thank you for the super chat. This version of Jones, this rattled version, probably wouldn't have. But the best version of Jones, which is still what we're hoping to get if the Giants move forward with Daniel Jones for this season and obviously for the next and, and it's the future. The best version of him, the version we saw against the Vikings, his clock wasn't sped up there. He was throwing the ball with good ball placement, right? Like he was doing things better than Tyrod, even Tyrod did tonight, a lot better than Tyrod did tonight. He had a great game in that game. And obviously the defense played a role. But point being, to answer your question, maybe this version of Jones wouldn't, but we still think the best version of Jones can get to that level. It's just it's a sad state of the New York Giants though, and thank you so much, JC NYC, for the question. But he he did ask, do do we move the football tonight with DJ? And the Giants did move the football. I think Tyrod threw for two hundred yards. Giants still didn't score a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, like, and we're we're, we're excited they moved about the ball. They didn't cash in, but they did. Exactly. They did rack up more yards than they had been. Like, what what they have? They yeah. had over three hundred yards of offense. I mean, and and no garbage. I mean, we don't even have like garbage time to rely on because they were playing beating the whole game. But yeah. Yeah, let's get to the next one. Yeah, the Giants had 317 yards. They forced two turnovers. This is the second week in a row the Giants like, clearly won the turnover battle in it, and they still lose, and it's just like, yep. ah, stick it in there. It sucks. All right, Brian Hopkins asked, thank you so much for the donation. Schnei guy and Nikki Flutz, huge fan, fellas. Nick, do you just get out of bed in the morning with that five pounds of hair gel on? <laughs> Love your signature look, my loquacious paisano. Oh, 
thank you so much. And uh, yeah, no, I just um, I throw a little bit of uh, gel in my hair and it just goes right into place. I'm, I'm blessed in that, I guess. Uh, thank you, though. But I am growing the beard back out, dude. I'm about to look like a freaking yeah. man. And I'm, you I'm looking forward you to it, bro. The beard is a good look for you. If I could grow a beard like that, I would. Mine doesn't really come in that great, but I would love to have like a full beard like that. I also think the one time, I think it was on a podcast a couple days ago, you didn't gel the hair up. Might have been a better look for you. I said it to you, and I'm not not dissing the gel look. Gel looks good for you too. I know it's your signature look, but I'm telling you, man, the natural, the all natural is good for you too. But I, but I think it is. Speaking of hair, by the way, I got the single worst haircut of my life the other day. I, I just broke this down on the fantasy football. That's why your camera sucks and it's all dark and everything. Yeah, exactly. Blame it on that. But yeah, I'm not gonna fucking put a good camera look on here. But no, I'm blaming it on this stupid lamp over here. I have no idea why it's not working. It was working earlier today. I'm not a good tech guy. It's, sh- it's shocker to everyone. I'm not a hand type of person. But um. I got a horrible haircut, Nick, the other day on last Thursday, and I talked about it on the Fantasy Football Today mailbag show. And listen to this. She not only gave me this – I asked for a trim on the top. Instead, she gave me this hack job, whatever this is. And when she gave me the haircut, Nick, this was the big no-no. She turned my chair this way. The entire time, I, the haircut was me this way. So I was literally doing the haircut like this the entire time, and I couldn't see what was going on wow. there. So, yeah. of course, she spins it around the end. How's it look? How, what are you going to do? It's just like when the server comes to you at the restaurant and the food was bad. How was the food? You don't tell them it was bad ever. You just, yeah, all right, it was great. Well, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> it's just terrible. Yeah. She, so she surreptitiously butchered your hair. But that's what you get, Dan. And we're going to get back to Giants. I apologize. But but that's what you get for going to Supercuts. You go to, don't like, and Supercuts is where I go. Don't tell these people where I go. <laughs> It, it's, not a, future, it's not a sponsor. It's not a sponsor. It's not a sponsor. Not yet. Uh, now they definitely uh, won't yeah, be. Yeah, now. Not yet. Not ever. Like, very, very uncorporate of me. That's a good point. But you go to a place that you should know better if you want to get a, you know, a, oh. a nice male haircut there. Yeah, look, <laughs> I just don't care about appearance enough. I don't buy clothes. I don't buy jewelry. I don't buy haircuts. But it's stupid. Maybe I should because I don't like this. This is more bringing me more pain than joy. All right, let's Elite, get to the next one. Elite named Jimmy Spatafora. I changed the Jimmy, but it's James here. Y'all are great. Thanks for the content. Game gave me confidence defensively. We've heard a lot of that, and I think rightfully so. Get the offense healthy, he says. I think absence of DJ was obvious with some of the mental mistakes on offense. Overall, can't be mad with the outcome. Look, look, James, I uh, I agree. I, I don't like the um, I don't love the hey, this is a um, this is this is so. This is kind of a win, you know what I'm saying? When when you say like uh, this is the moral an emotional victory. win, it's a moral victory, right? I don't always love that. I do believe though, like the Giants prove, like, hey, we can compete in this league against some of the top teams as well. They just got to fix this offense. And I think if you do get Andrew Thomas back, solidify a left tackle. Now you have Pew who can kick in wherever he wants to go. I think the offense starts to at least be top. 25, which I would take right now because they're like, you know, 30th, 31st, like they're terrible. So I would take top 25 and then build from there, which is horrendous. I'll say this, Nick, the way Pew looked tonight, he's stuck. I don't, they better not remove him from the lineup. Nah, he's active. He, you put him, and I'll tell you this, he's active for good. You put him at left guard probably when Thomas is back, and then you could do a little left tackle, left guard combo and have a nice setup there. But if Neil continues to struggle, if Neil, I don't want to say continue because I think Neil had an improvement last week, and I'll see off of this tape how he looked, but I thought he looked okay in the broadcast. But if Neil at some point bottoms out or whatever and he starts killing you again like he did earlier in the season, Nick, what are you drinking, by the way? Uh, that's Woodford Reserve. Wow, getting into the Woodford Reserve tonight. Um, oh, yeah. Nice. Good stuff. But Gotta if- put hair on your chest, bro. Drink some whiskey and bourbon. <laughs> If Neil and, and yeah, to help you go to, actually, it's like probably like nine o'clock by your time. It's like it is. one o'clock here. But um, 
if Neil Canadian struggled, like I would entertain the idea of Pew at right tack. Pew looked like he held his own on an island tonight. Like this dude just like, here's the thing with Justin Pew. He's just a better technician than all these other guys, the better technician. And it just feels like he understands the position. Well, that's what you have to be when you're an offensive lineman who doesn't have elite physical traits. And he's, he's not like the biggest guy. Like he's narrower shoulders for an offensive lineman. He looks like trim. Like if you told me he was a tight end, I'd be like, that's kind of a big tight end, but dude, he just made the joke this week about all the offensive linemen. Didn't even think he was an offensive lineman when he walked in. But how do you mask that technique? Technique. So he masters technique and you know what? You can go from left guard to left. That's difficult. And you're right. He struggled early on, early on. I was like, oh man, you know, I've been selling, selling the praise of Justin Pugh for a while. And it looks bad because he had like two snaps that weren't great. And then just boom, lockdown, man. Couldn't be more proud of the guy. And James, thank you so much for the donation. Thank you for the comment. Oh, Bill Hartnett, our boy. Bill, thank you so much. I wasn't expecting much, he says, but I got kind of hopeful, as did, as did we. I think at least I did. Everyone at a bar in California was on nice. our side. Then I feel like we got mugged. Thanks for the video, guys. Yeah, I don't know if we got um, mugged in terms of the refs. I think we did earlier in the game for sure. I like that they called it initially and they were like, Hey, we're going to extend this. I think it was defensive holding. I believe it was called. There might've been pass interference on that first call against uh, Darren Waller, put it at the one yard line, let it settle. It has to be egregious for them to call it again. That's what I thought. And Darren Waller had a realistic shot at catching the football. I just didn't expect them to, to throw the flag yet again. I'm more on your side, Bill, for this. I think it was egregious that final call. Cause I just think he was held early if he, he had a free release, like it was a well-designed play. If you, you play by the rules there, the Bills defensive back is not supposed to be able to really do anything there. He's just supposed to be able to kind of stay in phase and do his best to hit the ball. And then he kind of didn't allow him to get his second arm up. My only issue is, Bill, I don't love blaming things on the refs overall, even though that was a specific bad call. Because I think if we look back, there's like some calls on the yeah. Giants that went their way. It's just like one of those things. So what if Tyrod went under center and they went with the tush push there? I know I was saying before the half or that point, like I'm not advocating for it, but it would have broke broke Twitter. If it It would have broken, if he missed it, especially any miss on a run play would have people would have lost their freaking minds. The Giants ran again and didn't get it. (laughs) You want to know what's annoying? The Eagle fans out there, man. They're so like, oh, our guy, we always do the tush push and it works. And it's just getting to that point where I see that all over Twitter. And I'm like, I get it. Yeah. You have a quarterback who squats like eight. Yeah, because they have like the best center ever and like quarterback who could squat like a thousand pounds. Right. And I bet they practice it and they just have like the right lineman leverage or whatever the bullshit. But yeah. Gavin Bedell, thank you so much for the donation. Pew seemed to hold up well once he settled in. Gives me some hope for a functional offensive line and offense if Thomas ever makes it back. We were just talking about that, Gavin. You nailed it right there, man. You said it more succinctly than Dan and I. And how about this, by the way, Nick and Gavin? Justin Pugh, I just looked it up. 33 years old, right? We always talk every year, every season, it feels like we talk, every offseason and every in-season, about how big of an offensive line shortage there is around the NFL, how hard it is to find offensive linemen, how even if your plan is to go through the draft, which is the right plan, by the way, obviously free agency, uh, why is it the right plan? Well, in free agency, you get the Glowinskis, you get the Omames, you get the Soldiers, because any good old lineman is never hitting the market, right? And few, sometimes you get a share, whatever. So the ideal plan is to go through the draft, but even then you have to develop these guys through the draft. They're rookies. They come in, they're slow. It takes them years sometimes to develop, if not games. So if you've got a guy like Justin Pugh, and if he puts good tape over the rest of the season, Nick, like I want to resign Justin Pugh. That's it. Cause they let Feliciano go. 
They let Gates go. And that's killing them this year because those guys weren't great, but they were capable. If Justin Pugh is capable, and I agree with the comment, thank you for the donation. He did seem, uh, you know, very capable tonight once he settled in. If he's capable, dude, re-sign him because I don't yeah. care. He's only 33 and it's hard to find no linemen. Dude, it's nuts, dude. We haven't even brought up like John Michael Schmitz. The starting center that we drafted in the second round isn't there either. And the Giants were still able to at least be somewhat functional up yeah. front. Emery Denez, I think that's how we say it. Thank you so much for the donation. Question. Thank you, Emery. I haven't heard this one yet. Yes. Can we talk about the fight? He asks. I missed that part. Came back right after. Seems like the team is getting into fights every game now. It does. And there's a part of me is like, man, that's undisciplined. But then I watched the uh, I watched the play, and I can understand. I, I like the fact that they're fighting for each other. There's yeah, a part of me that's, I like that. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that they're fighting for each other. I wish they were a little bit more disciplined on that play. It looked like Kayvon kind of grabbed the guy's face mask a little bit, and like they were they were just tangled up with each other. But then the uh, whoever the offensive lineman was kind of took it to another level. When Kayvon was on his back, he lifted right. Kayvon Thibodeau up, and I didn't like that at all because he's like he's awkward. Yeah. You know, you could could have injured him. So. I appreciate seeing Dexter Lawrence doing what he did, but like ultimately, I would like the team to be more disciplined. We didn't really see this that much last year, unless it was Nick Gates uh, protecting Daniel Jones on a, on a late hit, which I do miss seeing that too. I miss seeing that too. So that's my thing. Like, I get your point here, and thank you for the donation. But I am always the guy who like likes when these teammates are fighting for each other. Like what he did there to Kayvon could have injured him, and so Dexter gets up and he says, "F you! You're not going to do that to our guy. I'm going to push your ass down. I'm going to get in your face." And I agree with what you said, Nick. What I really would never want to see it go away is on the offense side of the ball. DJ's taking some big hits this year where I didn't feel like the offensive line rallied to him on those hits. And I like when the line rallies on those hits. It's probably more so on that side. And guess what? The reason I don't hate it, Nick, and I'll let you make your point in a second, is most of the time when these things happen, like they just double flag it and it's offsetting and nothing matters. Like that's the thing. Like as long as you can get them to fight back, you're good. You both get the flags, nothing matters, and you just move on. And you plant that too, especially in that situation. The Giants won. Like, if you had to determine if this was a UFC fight, like the Giants yeah. scored higher than the Bills. Like, Spencer Brown got thrown on the ground. Like, Leonard Williams mounted him and like fisted, like put yeah. his fist up. Like, Ugh. I was like, dude, don't punch him. You're gonna break your freaking hand. Yeah, like, what are you doing? He has a he has a freaking face mask on. Who on offense though? Because we we're just talking about Nick Gates, and that's been that that guy who would do that when he was healthy. I don't really know who that would be if it's not John Michael Schmitz. John Michael Schmitz is the first person that comes to my mind. I kind of do, man. He's he's nasty. All right. He's he's got nasty dog in him. He's a rookie though, so maybe we'll take him. He may not be a huge guy, but Justin Pugh will do it. I think he's a leader. Yeah. Which is crazy. The Giants signed arguably one of of the best offensive leaders on onto their practice squad off the free agency. Free agency, and he's like already one of their better linemen that we're talking about. Maybe extending past this season. Sadly. So we got two. So I guess we're alcoholics here. It seems like. Oh no, he's talking because I've been sipping from this yeah. cup with like no nothing in it. I got another yeah. drink over here. I don't know where yeah. it is. I get another drink, it. Dan. LL Cool John, thank you. And then Victor Perez asked Nick, "No Dos Equis? No, no. I don't know if I've ever had a Dos Equis. Oh, oh yeah, you're not a beer guy. Uh, not thank a beer you, Victor guy. Perez. Yeah. I'm a big beer guy here. This was my other drink from before, a little mixed drink to get through the night. But um, I'm a Dos Equis guy. What I really these days, Nick, my the, Really, the, mo- the main thing I drink is, is just tequila. I've just become obsessed with tequila being the best alcohol by far of all of them. Yeah, I can't get on board with that, but I do. Uh, I respect it. I do respect it. 
that's it for the super chats as of right now. So I say we we dive back into just some of the conversations about this game. Look, the Giants, man, they were beat up. It, it got to a point, and I'm in a group chat with like my brothers and, and some of my family members, and it's just like, dude, like every snap, every series, a giant is going down. And Adoree Jackson was able to return to the game. But like Dane Belton ended up leaving. Obviously, Josh Zudu got carted off. You had Cordell Flott, who was in and out of the game with certain injuries. It does seem like it happens a lot to this football team. And I just don't like know why exactly. No, it's <laughs> it's a good point. Because, like, look, they basically have to go back to the drawing board on this issue because this offseason they tried some new things with this new regime. Oh, let's not play anybody in the preseason, right? No real snaps for the starters. Oh, let's not go crazy in training camp. Not a lot of padded practices. Oh, let's, you know, all these different things they've tried, and yet the results are, oh, let's change the field out. Let's bring a new turf into MetLife. Results are the same, if not worse, with this new strategy. If not worse, they actually had a year like 2009 where they're the most injured team almost ever, I think it was. And someone quote me on that, I think, or don't quote me on that. Someone correct me on that. It was either 2009 or one of these years where they're like the Didn't most. They finished with like the most people on IR, but it was also like a punt. It was like a punt season. So they just put a bunch of people on IR at maybe, the end. Maybe, maybe they were too different. They've had like multiple of these types yeah, of exactly. years, but like something has got to give. And I don't. You know, I don't love I don't love speculating on this stuff, Nick, because I in the end I largely think injuries are luck based. But it's just at some point, like we're just getting all these you're right, it's getting a block of injuries seemingly every game. Um, Cordell Flop, you brought him up. He made another really good open field tackle in this game. That's back to back weeks with really really good open field tackles. And look for a team that struggled a lot this year with tackling and open field tackles, it's good to see somebody basically come to the biggest weakness on the on the defense i would call it basically you know like maybe not the biggest but tackling has been one of their biggest issues right this year and turn it into a positive at least on those two plays since we're talking about the defense we've already talked about bobby okereke michael mcfadden very very just happy with what we've seen from them recently but the giants man they started this game with a lot of a lot of zone sending four with with simulated pressures and things of that nature they weren't really blitzing all that much i don't know if that was ramped up a little bit later on in the game but when they were asked to play man coverage, I felt like they were pretty damn good. Yeah. Like Stefan Diggs, he's going to get his. He had what, 10 catches for 100 yards? That's going to happen against a player like Stefan Diggs. If you just don't allow him to have those explosive plays that result in touchdowns, which the Giants didn't, it's kind of a win. And I and and Josh Allen, dude, every pass play was like he was going right to 14. He was just looking for where Stefan yes. Diggs was. A lot of the times, not all the times, a lot of the times Banks was in that area. And again, he surrendered 10 catches, but Banks, that's a real player right there. Like Deontay Banks is a real NFL plus starter. He's already that, and he's just a rookie. If he can end up, and we haven't, we didn't see this in his college film, which is a little troublesome for me, but if he can end up forcing turnovers and becoming like a pick magnet, similar to like Devon Witherspoon, man, dude, that's, that's going to be a home run of a pick that the Giants got in this kid because man coverage, staying in phase, all the coverage traits, he has them. I thought he looked really good today as well. And I think he was just in phase and there a lot against Diggs, especially, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't like he was, uh, and look, I'm looking at it now. NFL rookie watch put up a, a video of his snaps against Diggs, and we'll get into it this week. Looked pretty good. He, uh, at least according to Doug analytics, he was targeted five times. allowed one reception of nine yards through the first half. That was second half, maybe a little bit different. Obviously it's fun to watch that matchup too, right? Diggs versus, uh, Diggs versus banks. Those are two Maryland defenders, but, this was something interesting that was tweeted early in the week, and that's why I was looking for this in the first place, Nick. Um, this is from Seth Walder. He said outside it was a chart of charting the outside cornerback nearest defender chart. Yards allowed per coverage snap per coverage snap was on the x-axis. 
by EPA allowed per coverage snap on the Y axis. Access is reserved, so right is right and up is best. No EPA can be heavily driven by interceptions, which Banks doesn't have any. And yet still, he is finding himself all the way to the right on the right side of the axis, which again, up and right is what we're looking for, and above the middle ground. So probably, you know, not all the way up. That's where, uh, you know, Zion McCollum is Legarius need, but damn close to all the way up and on the right side of the access, which shows that he's not giving up a lot of yards per coverage snap, and he's not allowing uh, a lot of EPA per coverage snap. And that's despite the fact that he has no interception, which Seth said, note, interceptions can largely skew the EPA. So according to those numbers, Deontay Banks has been pretty damn good this year. So I think your assessment, Nick, that he's a plus starter is pretty spot on. Oh yeah, man. He's, he's excellent. I'm glad Adore was able to come back in this game too. Cause Adore oh, Jackson, yeah. he's still a very good football player for this. De- the defense overall I'm pleased with. They didn't really have many huge mistakes. They were fit the- right by the defense. Exactly. They, 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 they fit the run. Well, they were able to bottle up James cook. I think it was in the, what the second quarter. He had like two like long runs that he sort of ripped off. And I was like, Oh geez, it's going to start coming undone now. But no, they were able to buckle down. They were efficient. The, uh, I think the Giants were more efficient on third down on offense than the Bills were on defense. And to me, that's more of a product of the Giants' defense getting after Josh Allen and making him uncomfortable. And Allen, dude, that guy never wants to give up on a play. There's so many times I'm like, ah, oh, man, he'll run now. His eyes are still downfield, man. I'm like, this guy, man, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and him and, and Stefan Diggs have a mind meld together. Those guys just understand how to uncover all the time and, and get open. I mean, look at the numbers. The Bills had nine offensive possessions, and Josh Allen only had 169 yards passing. Yeah, what team, you know, holds him to 169 yards passing on nine possessions? Not many. Only 5.6 yard or five yards per play for the Bills. 5.6 yards per pass attempt, which is an incredibly low number for any quarterback, let alone Josh Allen. This was a dominant performance in all things considered by the, by the defense. Yes, they gave up some touchdowns late, but like one of them was Josh Allen putting up a crazy anticipatory throw that some people think was just a bad decision, which I don't know if it was or wasn't. And the other one was a really nice design by, by coach, uh, by coach uh, Miami quarterback, Ken Dorsey, like good job. Like he had a nice design. It's going to happen. But other than that, the defense had a really nice game. You want to know what pisses me off? Our buddies over there cover one right now. They're probably like, Oh my gosh, man, we suck. Like what's wrong up, up, up. And they're probably like, you know, woe is me. That's what's going on over there. And it's like, you guys won the football game. Shut up. But at the same yeah. time, you struggled against the New York Giants. Not a great look to do that on Sunday Night Football after <laughs> after the San Francisco 49ers dismantled the Giants after Seattle did the same and Dallas did the same. So I guess I can understand where they're coming from. They're just privileged and spoiled, though. Yeah, they are. Did you get? Uh, did you see this one from, uh, from Pete? Pat Monahan, I mean, not Pete. Pat Monahan, he just has no question. I know seasons like this are brutal for you guys. I appreciate your insight. And the awesome guests you brought on the show. Thanks, yeah. Pat. Thank you so much, man, for the kind words. It really means a lot. Yeah, I appreciate it, Pat. It definitely These uh, are, are tough. I mean, we I want them to win. It makes this job a lot easier. I was excited when we got down to the one. I actually thought we we're going to win that game, Nick, after the PI. I just thought we'd get it done. Um, obviously, it didn't. But I was excited to come on this podcast after a win. It was going to be. It was going to be a lot of fun. But look. It would have flipped the entire season. All the, oh my gosh, it gets me so max. All the misery that we've experienced this year, the the underachieving nature of the second year under this regime would have just been tossed out the window because the Giants pulled this offset or upset up. That it would have just been gone. They would have had a stretch where they could easily get to four and four, in my opinion. Not easily, like, oh, anything's easy. But if they're playing defense the way they played, 
and they're they could get some guys back on the offensive line with Barkley back, like they could have got to four and four. Um, but yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe not definitely, but yeah, maybe. not definitely. But like even now, like I'm like, oh, if they just win the next two games, they're they could put themselves back into like a wild card conversation. But I'm just like, is that is that me being you know I don't know glass half yeah, full? Maybe I'm not sure. I'll say this like. I think they're gonna they're gonna have a really good time against Sam Howell. This defense, they're playing the way they played tonight. This defense is gonna have a really nice game against Sam Howell because Sam Howell takes a lot of sacks. And, and hopefully the Giants can just protect against those defensive ends and those defensive linemen, yeah. and they can establish something on offense. Right now, it's all offense. We weren't really worried too much about the offense coming into the season. The offense is terrible. I think a lot of it just stems the root of the offense is the offensive line, and and those injuries have just been. Egregious. Mark Kindle says, thank you so much for the donation, Mark. I'm sorry, but Kafka's play calling is myopic. What do you have to say about that? I just think, look, I understand this comment, Mark. almost feel like if we're going to blame the offensive line injuries for Jones, which I think is fair, for some of Dable, which I think is fair, why can't we do it for Mike Kafka too? It's just so hard to call a game when you have this situation on the O-line. You have guys playing out of position. Somebody said it best earlier. We have four guards playing on an offensive line. Are you kidding me? Four guards? There's only supposed to be two guards playing on an offensive line. I think I said, I think, oh, sorry. No, I I think I said this on our podcast, but I definitely said it on one of the cover one shows when I went on their shows. All of the risks that Joe Shane took this year came back to bite him in the ass. Mm -hmm. Now you can blame Joe Shane for that because it's like, you, you took a risk and, and, you were wrong, but you know, cross train like, Hey, we're just going to cross train everybody. We're not going to have a true backup center. We're going to trust a guard at center. Now you don't have a guard to fill in there. So you're going to bring up Justin Pugh. And now you have to move him to right tackle. And it's like, you don't want really to have a backup tackle that you trust. You don't trust Matt Perry to be your backup tackle. So it's like that depth issue that the giants had up front, it's been uh, exploited by injuries. And it's like, you took that risk though, Joe Shane. So I can understand why people are a little frustrated with Joe Shane, but it's also just happenstance. You took a calculated risk and it just didn't work out for you. And sometimes it's just the reality of the situation. It just, it's unfortunate, but it's just real. Yeah. That's very well said, Nick. I think honestly, that's a good way to end this one off. Unless, unless you have anything more. Um, Yeah, we have a couple more. um, Okay. Let's definitely get to all the questions. And remember, For those of you joining late or new to the show, if you want to join these podcasts, any of our live shows and use the super chat function, we'll answer any of your questions there. Cell asks or says, we'll find out. We got the good breaks last year. Very true. And now the bad breaks this year, unfortunately. Accurate. Do you guys think once we get healthy that we can go on a winning streak like the Lions did last year? Y'all are great. I think the Giants could go on a winning streak. I think they have to get healthy. I think that includes Daniel Jones. It obviously has, has to include... Um, Andrew Thomas, Saquon Barkley is now back. But yes, I do. The the back half of this schedule isn't as difficult. The unfortunate nature of that is you have to play Dallas again, which did not go well for the Giants last time. And you have to play the Eagles twice. Could you steal one of those games? I think it's possible that you could steal one of those games. Let's just beat the Eagles today, for fuck's sake. I know. So I think it is possible, Sal, for that to happen. I think you have to win next week. This is like the fourth week in a row that we're saying this, which <laughs> sucks. So actually, this is the this is the fifth week in a row we're saying this because we said that in week two. Well, yeah, next week if they lose next week, that's it. No, no, if they lose next yeah. week, go to one and six. Sell. That's yeah, it. yeah. The season's over, in my opinion. So you got to beat Washington, and then I think you can realistically beat the Jets. You just got to shut down the run. You got to bottle up Brees uh, Hall and get after. But Zach you also Wilson. have to not turn the ball over on offense. That's how the Eagles lost the game today. 
Oh, I know. They just kept doing it, dude. And it was so gross, too. They would have never lost that game if they didn't turn the ball. So it's like you have to do both of them. But there's still other games on the schedule that are just like wildly winnable if the Giants get healthy, like you said, Sal. And obviously they have to get healthy and hit their stride. Like that's the first thing. Giants get healthy, Giants hit their stride. But then it's like Oakland. I mean, not Oakland, Las Vegas. Packers, Saints. New England. There's a New England game in there. There's a New England. With Jordan Love, New England, with whoever's playing quarterback there. Like, those three alone feel very winnable to me if they're hitting their stride, obviously. If they're hitting their stride and if they're healthy. And then we have Emery. Thank you so much, Emery, for your donation. I hope we figure this thing out this season because looking ahead to next season, we could potentially lose both Kafka and Wink and maybe no. take a step back like we have. I think that's what that's what we thought before yeah. the season because Ideally, we expected yeah. the Giants to be good. And that would have been an ideal situation. That means we're clicking on all cylinders right now. I don't believe Mike Kafka is getting a head coaching nope. job. With I don't think Wink's getting a head coaching job. Wink basically said it's offseason. He's like, look, I've been wanting to be a head coach my whole life, but it's starting to feel like the writing. He didn't say it, but with all what, what he said, Nick, I know you're at this interview. It's starting to feel like the writing is on the wall. I'm going to be a coordinator my whole life, and I like here with the Giants. I hope this is my home now because no one's going to hire like an older defensive mind. Like These days, people want the offensive coaches. Yes, and I completely understand why they do. Everyone's drafting young quarterbacks. You want to groom those young quarterbacks. That's why it never made, never made sense when the Bears went out and signed Matt Eberflus to be no our head sense. coach. I was like, right. don't you have a young, like, intriguing quarterback there that yeah. you want to develop? Anyways, Victor Perez, again, thank you so much. Time to see what Western <laughs> Richburg is doing. Oh, oh man, yes. I'm going to look that up real quick. Western Richburg, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say he is 34. No, 33. I think that's probably right. 32. Yeah. 32. Wow. Okay. We're older than Weston Richburg. Weston Richburg. I wonder what he's doing these days. When's the last time Weston Richburg even played? I don't even know. He you was know out there with Kyle Shanahan for a while, wasn't he? People search for he was, but he was like injured his whole time before the 49ers. It says when people search for Weston Richburg, this must be all Giants fans doing these Google searches. They also search for Justin Pugh and Eric Flowers. <laughs> they go back to Pugh and Richburg. We might as well get to see if Flowers can play a little right guard for us. Dude, I would take. I might take Eric Flowers on this roster if he wasn't going to be a malcontent, right? Oh my God, Eric Flowers on the Giants again would be such a hilarious disaster. Might as well bring Eli Apple back too. Like <laughs> <laughs> Eric, can you imagine the media around Eric Flowers if he was resigned to this team? Oh, Didn't he God. like shove Jordan Ron on or something like crazy happened? It's never confirmed, but I think it happened. I think he shoved oh, Jordan Ron on. That's wild. What a wild that's thing to do. That's the Packers wildcat game. Oh my god! It's wild. It's I been think... a long. It's been a long decade. It's been a long yeah. decade or so oh. for for New York Giants. This was this again though to bring it all back. This this was a rough loss because you thought maybe you could have that upset victory and and you could steal a game and and get back into it and then the Giants just couldn't finish it off. Oh, it sucks. Anyway, I think we'll wrap it up there, right, Nick? Yeah. All right. Thank you so much to everyone who tunes into the show. Thank you even more so. I'm just going to say it because it's true. To those who joined the show and then used the super chat function and donated to our show to ask questions, that's awesome. This is new for us. We really appreciate it. We've had great response to this so far, and obviously it helps us grow the show because you know more money means more resource for us. So thank you so much. For the rest of you, we still appreciate you tuning in. That's obviously helpful as well. So don't think that you're lesser lesser at all. Everybody has their own means, what they can donate, what they cannot. So don't feel any worse about that. But thank you to everybody. And we'll speak to you soon with some film breakdowns coming this week. Preview pod coming as well. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.